darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping, and the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. From the Stanley Cup Finals to O and three to begin. The 2021-2022 season. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We are the No Respect Podcast. My name is Mackie. Join alongside me are Justin and Alex here to talk about the piss-poor Habs after a brutal first week to start off their season. Uh, let's start maybe on your side. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, but a rough week as a hockey viewer. Montreal Canadiens is not the start we wanted to see. There were a few positives that I'm sure we'll get into later in the episode, but just a rough, rough week. We all went for the 4-0 prediction. I know we're recording this before the fourth game, but that's obviously not going to happen. Uh, yeah, just brutal, disappointing to watch, and it's a tough start to the year. What about for yourself, Justin? Yeah, I mean, Alex said there was some positive to talk about, but I really don't think there's too much to, to talk about other than maybe the story with Drewing. But, I mean, it's pretty brutal. Losing against Buffalo, 5-1. Probably the worst team in the... Well, definitely the worst team last year and one of the worst teams that's going to play this year with their, like, college B lineup of players. So it's... Yeah, it was a bit of an embarrassing uh, week of hockey for the Habs, uh, but I'm looking forward. I'm not giving up yet, and we got Mikey Hoffman coming in the lineup, or should I say BMX star Matt Hoffman. So he's <laughs> that was a terrible joke, but he's supposed to come in Tuesday, so I'm excited for him to come in and, and obviously turn the season around. All right. Well, uh, maybe Mike Hoffman will resolve all of our uh, our woes, even defensive, even though he's not known for it. But yes, an awful start to this week uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we're going to start off right away with the with the first question and diagnosing the problem for the Habs. So I'm going to ask this question after one week of hockey being played. And I'm sorry for if you can't if you can hear it in my voice. I lost it because we were Justin and I were both at the game on Saturday and we gave it our all. We gave it our all. Okay. The Montreal Canadians, I think they tried to give it their all, but there's something lacking with these Montreal Canadians. And that is my question. Um, we've got a new Discord server where we've got some participants. We've got Corporate Gamer, we've got Carl Poshowski, we've got Howie the Habs, we've got, give me a second, Bamj, who is one of our moderators, we've got um, Tech Slave NB, all of those shout outs, uh, and they gave us some of our, their opinions. But I want to get into yours first, but that's a way to just tell you if you guys want to, you can join our new Discord server, which is awesome. Um, and there's a link down below if you're watching on YouTube. Um, point being, what is going on with these Habs? Alex, what is the one problem that you want to isolate? I don't even know where to start. I mean, we were all thinking the offense would save us, and we had some concerns about the defense, but we've scored one goal in each of our three games so far, which is absolutely not good enough. Um, I don't know if offense is long-term going to be an issue, but there's something not clicking there. There's a lack of chemistry obviously special teams has been a huge issue um that have killed us basically 
zero power play goals and the penalty kill has been terrible. But yeah, I'll, I guess I'll focus on the offense for now. I'm just seeing a lack of creativity, lack of spark from anyone other than Drouin. I, I don't want to bash Drouin at all. He's come to vengeance. Great storyline. You guys were there for the game Saturday. Unbelievable to see that. But I'm just not seeing any plays. Guys like Suzuki, Caulfield, there's nothing happening there. No creativity. The third and fourth lines aren't getting any possession time in the zone. And uh, the offense is just struggling. Tough to watch. And Ducharme has to try something. I saw him flipping the lines a bit fairly soon. But I think something has to be done to get someone to create a spark and get some offense going. Despite the terrible start, I still believe the talent is there. I know it's cliche, but the problem seems to be chemistry. Got to figure that out sooner rather than later. That's Carl Pachowski from our Discord server. But for you, Justin, if there is a way to describe the Habs' woes, diagnosing this problem after one week of play, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, kind of along the same vein as Alex, I would say just cohesion as a group. And, I mean, that's going to come from, from a team with a lot of new faces on it. Um, but yeah, it just seems like we can't, uh, string a few good shifts together. Like it seems like not, maybe we'll get a good shift out of one line, but then the next line will struggle and the next line will struggle. It seems like we can't get that pressure going. We don't have a good, uh, four check in the zone. We we've barely held the puck in the opponent's zone for over maybe like 15 seconds for the first three games of the season. Um, and like last year, we kind of got away with that because we were scoring off the rush a lot. But this this season so far, we have not gotten barring the first I think the first 10 minutes of the Toronto game. We haven't gotten a lot of odd man rushes or any rush chances, which is was basically our bread and butter last year. So we have to have more puck support in the neutral zone, get more D's uh, passing up to the neutral neutral zone and get plays going. And it's just not happening. So, I mean. I think the problem is, I agree with Carl, the problem is the chemistry, maybe some line juggling around. Um, maybe that's going to solve things, but I think it's just playing more together, getting that cohesion going, getting that chem, and maybe separating like Nick, Nick and Cole and Toffoli like we saw in the last game there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited to see Mike Hoffman in the lineup just to, just to have some new spark going. So yeah. I, but not, I think Mackie might mention something about the D, but the D is obviously another problem. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of problems right now. <laughs> if I, if I was a doctor, I'd I'd be telling the the Habs that uh, you you got to figure your shit out right now um, because it's not going well. You got a knee injury. You got you got your throat that's not well. There's a lot of problems here. Uh, the first thing that I wanted to mention was the power play, uh, two five on three opportunities where you do absolutely dog shit. Um, and then after that, as you mentioned, the D, which has just not been great, but they did clean that up. So the offense needs to come from a spark. And, and you, you mentioned Nick and Cole and um, all of these acquisitions, uh, the fact that we were in, in I don't want to create excuses and we, we might get into that later in terms of, you know, some of the, the predictions that we have going forward for this team. But there's a lot of different things happening. I mentioned it last podcast, Nick um Suzuki and Cole Caulfield I mean these are still young players and we're expecting them to have big years it might take them a little bit longer to get to that level but that's what we're seeing right now is that 
there's a little bit of that transition period where the the load of the regular season because the regular season and the playoffs as we know completely different styles of play you gotta you can't muster up the same emotional currency that you'll get in the playoffs it's just not it's not feasible okay and and this is a team that i think rides on emotion quite a bit um so we got to figure that out power play hopefully big mike hoffman's going to come in and just snipe it top cheese i think he will i'm looking at alex it's going to be great but that's number one jeff petrie's got to be a little bit more of a presence out there as well you know he's our he's our number one now no shea weber and last year we saw it when he was out he was fantastic and that's what the team needs and we're missing that kind of that 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 motor from the back end right now so quite a few problems you let us know what you guys think down below um there there's, we're gonna keep talking about the Habs obviously as the show goes on here but uh we'll be back right after this for the believe it or not statement um but you guys let us know what you guys think the problem is with these Montreal Canadiens we'll be right back actually right before the believe it or not segment let's do a game per game review so uh as we know, not a good week for the Habs. I'm going to say that quite a few times in this show. Um, but let's start from the beginning. We've got the opener for the Toronto Maple Leafs that starts the Habs season. And this was a relatively tight game. So let's start there. Two to one loss for the Montreal Canadiens. What do you guys think about the start for the Montreal Canadiens and how the end result reflects on their performance? Uh, Justin, start with you. I was insanely excited in the first minute of that game because it seemed like we were shot out of a cannon to start that game and it seemed like we were we were starting just where we left off in the playoffs we, were, we played with speed we had like three chances to start off the game Cole Caulfield almost scores Jack Campbell in that game came up huge and if he wasn't there in the first period I think we, we could have won this game we could have scored about like four times in the first period um but yeah, as a whole, I think we got, in the end, we ended up getting outplayed by the Maple Leafs a bit. Um, but after the first period, I don't think we played very well. We didn't really generate much. It was kind of slow. Really happy to see Drouin scoring a goal there in his first game. Great pass by Anderson there. Um, and the other thing I'll say about this game was Toronto crowd was fucking quiet. It was, the, it was a very quiet game. Which is very surprising because we'll get into it later. But I was we were at the Bell Center for the other game, and it was about the loudest I've ever I've ever seen it. So that's it for me. But uh, yeah, Alex, any other uh, any uh, talking points on this game here? Yeah, I don't know about specific points, but this was the least hard pill to swallow, I guess. Like this game, a two-one loss against the Leafs. That's not the end of the world, obviously the home opener it's our biggest rivals yeah it sucks but they're a good team it was a close game and after a hot start you have to expect the home opener leaves to come out stronger and fight back harder in the second and third so i don't think it was as much of a disaster as some people were saying how we fell flat in the second and third like the leaves are a good team it's not all that bad but now looking back at it after the next two games, obviously, it's it's worse. But yeah, Drouin, obviously, huge standout, big comeback. The emotion there was huge. It's just fantastic to watch. Uh, Brett Kulak had a good game, if I can point him out, I guess. And Jake Allen, obviously, he was big. Sucks that he let in. It wasn't even that much of a softie, but because it's Nylander, I guess it's a softie. 
Um, yeah, it wasn't the worst. It sucks to lose it, but uh, we move on. Yeah, uh, just a quick note on on uh, Joe scoring that. You couldn't have picked a better player, better storyline to start off the Habs season, to be honest. That's that's the only thing that makes it uh, a little bit disappointing is that, can you imagine like the headline after that game, Joe scores like the opening goal, Habs win, what a comeback and all of those things. Um, but yeah, let's get into the actual worst part of this week for me. <laughs> and it's fucking 5-1 against Buff. Bruh, that was the worst that you can possibly ask for looking for the Habs to bounce back after you know losing against the Leafs Buffalo that we know has the worst NHL roster you know they have some some pieces but if Kyle Poso looks like Connor McDavid against you there's a problem there's a problem and there was a definite problem in this game so let's go back to you Justin anything else that you want to add to this absolute disaster of a second game yeah, it wasn't good. Power play wasn't good. Penalty kill wasn't good. Um, we made Buffalo... Well, I mean, Buffalo played well. Like, give them credit. They they got momentum off their first power play, and then they just took it from there. And they... I Honestly, if it wasn't the Habs, I felt great for Buffalo because their fans really got into it. And, it, like, you felt for them because they had such a terrible last... I mean, last, like, 10 years, it seems like. But especially last year... Um, but yeah, they just took the game and ran and the Habs just had nothing. Like we had Chris Weidman score a goal, but other than that, we really just ge didn't generate anything, didn't have any step, didn't, it was just disappointing to see because it seemed like a game that we could just like come back and be like, all right, we got, we got this one in the books and we'll be back on track, but just didn't come. A little bit of a mention here that it was Samuel Tabo's first game, uh, you know, for, uh, the pickup that we got because Carey Price is not uh, with us. Um, and, uh, you know, he had some flashes, but again, just overall, like Dominique Duchamp said, zero out of all of the players showed up that night. Alex, your thoughts on this tire fire of a game? Yeah, obviously a disaster. Um, I want to touch on the fans, like Justin said. said eight or 9,000 in there, and they got loud. Those are the... The people showing up the Buffalo games now, like those are the diehards. Those are the Sabres fans for life. So good for them to get a good entertaining game, home opener. When they were running through their lineup in the home opener, all standing at the blue line, I recognized maybe half of them, maybe a bit more than half. So like you said, not a great roster. So just very embarrassing. Uh, shout out to Craig Anderson. What is he, 42 now? He had a hell of a game. He always seems to play well against Montreal. And you know what? Looking back at it now, like good for him. Good for Craig Anderson. I'm happy for Craig Anderson. But uh, those are my takeaways from the game. No positive side. It was just brutal. I mean, Boston. the only positive is we got to see maybe Dustin Tokarski once again. That's it. True, and, yeah. Uh, on the bench. Yeah. Maybe that's it. What were you going to say, Justin? I was going to say, it's kind of nice to have these these wholesome kind of takes about other teams. Like, we're not only playing <laughs> against Canadian teams that we have kind of rivals rivalry with. So it's it's kind of nice. Especially you can yeah. kind of you can kind of feel for Buffalo because they're bottom feeders. And yeah, they should be beat by every single team. 
No, but we can we can relate to the underdog story. That's that was what made it magical uh, for the Montreal Canadiens in the the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. So um, this leads into the season opener, which uh, unfortunately Alex, who lives in uh, Windsor, uh, was not able to join us this time around. But Justin and I, and that's why you maybe see it in our voices for this podcast, um, were attending. We were at the rooftop. Like the, our noses were bleeding profusely and we had no problem. We had a great time. The ceremony, the atmosphere, being there for the home opener for the first time at full capacity in two years was absolutely crazy. It was a hell of a night. Unfortunately, the Habs again making it 0-3 for this season um, and yeah playing against the Rangers Alexis Lafreniere some of his family members in the building gets the game winner um, but it was a bit of a tighter contest we can say that uh, any thoughts on this Alex you start this one was a heartbreaker because the emotions I can't imagine for you guys but even me watching Drouin that equalizer beautiful play by Dvorak Dvorak's first point for the Habs and he looks pretty good. Um, but Troy, just a beautiful goal waiting out Shesterkin, who he had a hell of a game too, as the goalie. Like, I know Montreal looked a bit flat, but they did have some good chances, and he came up big when he had to. Um, but yeah, just a heartbreaker that Lafrenal, local kid, scores the game-winning goal less than a minute after Troy's tying goal. And you guys couldn't see it from the Bell Center, but they probably showed Lafrenal's family... 30 times it was the most frustrating thing to watch especially after he scored it's just awful um other than that takeaways from the game again that droid line looked pretty good anderson dvorak and him seem to be having a bit of chemistry so far they're really the only line that's showing anything defense is looking a bit rough um i was harsh on joel edmondson last i'm gonna be harsh on david savard right now because he is not looking good. He's not looking like a piece that we should have acquired. And other point outs, Adam Fox. Adam Fox is unbelievable. I don't shut up about this guy, but he's unbelievable to watch. Just the patience, the zone exits. He is incredible. I'd put him up there with Hedman. I think Hedman as best defenseman in the league because this kid is just unreal and uh yeah those those are the takeaways it sucked you guys will probably have more to say about this one he's nasty i'm gonna let justin answer the only thing i wanted to say is i was screaming adam you suck at the top of my lungs every time they had his own exit and it didn't it was not effective uh go ahead (laughs) justin yeah honestly i don't have much to say about the game because it's kind of a big blur for me um that's the beer talking and also just like the atmosphere the fans just being back in the bell center i i hadn't been in the bell center since i didn't get to go during the playoffs um so i hadn't been there in like two years just being with twenty-one thousand other people in a room together is just something surreal and the fact that we got to see the halves was amazing was sick um wish they could have won but it was still an amazing atmosphere to just get reintroduced to the Habs in person and yeah it was cool to see kind of Cole Caulfield's first first entrance in the Bell Center and like all those new players and stuff so yeah I mean I don't have too much to say about the game other than what you guys have said so yeah it was just 
amazing to be there. Wish they could have won, but at least we got a really sick goal that we got to see. I mean, it lasted about 60 seconds, but yeah. It was awesome. Uh, Jonathan Drouet, the only forward to have scored this season. It's crazy. After three games, only three goals. The other goal scored in the Buffalo game? Who? Chris Weidman. All right, uh, we'll be right back after this for Believe It or Not, where we're, uh, we're going to say some stuff and figure it out. Or no, yes, that's what we're going to do. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so we'll see you right after this. All right, so continuing on this absolute garbage first week for the Montreal Canadiens, we've got a game to play. Now, we called it last year. It was a bit of a mouthful. Uh, maybe it's still going to be uh, not the greatest uh, segment name, but we're going to go ahead with it. Uh, last year was, I don't want to believe it, shortening it to believe it or not. Okay. And, and unlike Ripley's, uh, this is actually believe it or not believe it type of thing. Okay. Uh, so in this segment, basically, uh, in this segment, uh, what we're going to do is have three statements uh, that each one of us are going to say. And then the goal in what has happened in this week where the Montreal Canadiens lose 2-1 to against the Maple Leafs, 5-1 to against Buffalo, and 2-1 to in the Rangers. They play against the Sharks tomorrow. We've got three statements. You've got to develop your answer. So let us know what you guys think. I will go ahead and start with the first statement. Believe it or not, the Habs will continue with this poor play that they have showed in the first three games of their regular season. Justin, your answer. I don't think they will. I do not believe it. And the reason being is that we've scored literally three goals in three games for a 1.00 goals per game average, which is completely ridiculous, thinking that last year Tyler Toffoli scored the equivalent of, of, well, how many goals did he score? The equivalent of 30 goals in a full season. Um, We have... Mike Hoffman coming in who can score 30 goals. We have Brendan Gallagher, who's known to be up to a 30-goal scorer. And we have many other scorers, like Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki. So I don't think the scoring will be as bad as it is now. What I think will maybe continue is the kind of lackluster defense into the future. So that is still kind of a concern of mine as well as our goaltending, especially in our backup position, I think might give us some trouble in this season. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to continue as bad as it is now, but I don't think we're we're going to be soaring to the sky anytime soon. Alex, do you believe it or not? I do not believe it, but my take is somewhat similar to Justin's, and I'm going to play off what I said last week that... I don't think the Montreal Canadiens will have the same amount of success as last season. So I think our play will improve, but the results not necessarily. Obviously, we're not going to go 0-82, but I could see us missing the playoffs by a decent amount. And um, realistically, an 0-3 start, I know it's, everyone will say it's early in the season. There's tons of times to come, tons of time to come back, etc. But I believe I saw a stat earlier today saying for start the season 0-3 in a long, long time. The only one that's made the playoffs in 2020 in that shortened season when they made it when they were 18th place, was it? Um, 
so yeah, I think we'll get some goals. We'll get some wins. Obviously, the play will pick up, but I think we're in for a long season that will not be very successful. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, moving on to that same topic and, and uh, maybe the, the diagnosis of what's going on here, we've got another believe it or not uh, question. Alex, uh, please go ahead. Yeah, so I'm sure you've all seen on Twitter and stuff people saying this team now because of the veteran losses of Price and Weber, free agent departure and Dano, Corey Perry leaving, that we're lacking leadership, we're lacking chemistry in this team because of how many new and how many big names have left. So do you guys believe it or not that this team has just had too much personnel turnover to be able to have uh, a solid season? And Maki, you can start. I uh, I want to say yes, at least for the start. I, you know, like you said in the in the previous question, it could be that the Montreal Canadiens, you know, improve their play. I expect that to happen, and it's not going to be 0-82. But at the the realistic side of things, is losing a Shea Weber, losing a Carey Price, that's going to have some significance. I know that Jake Allen is, hasn't been the problem uh, necessarily, and that we're still early in the season, um, but. There's chemistry to be found. Even last season when we had uh, the additions of Josh Anderson, Tyler Toffoli, uh, Joel Edmondson, all of these guys, it took a little bit of time for them to gel. Um, we did have a hot start, but it, I feel like there was still an element that needed a little bit of time. We've got the flexibility of an 82-game season and not a 56-game season, which is the one positive. But I will say that there was quite a bit of turnover that might hinder the Habs' performance. So that's my take. Justin, yeah, what do you think? I'm, I'm kind of, I kind of agree, but I think it's a short-term thing. I think right now we have too much turnover. That's the reason that we're we're not playing so well, especially in the offensive uh, department. But I don't think it'll be a constant problem for the rest of the season. I think this is something that kind of gets solved over time. You build up cohesion in your lineup and just build chemistry. And it's something that sorts itself out through practicing together, through playing games, real games together. So as much as it might be a problem right now, I don't think it'll be a problem in, say, game 20 or game 30. Yeah, I think you guys are spot on with that. That'd be my take for this. And Justin, I believe you have our last believe it or not question regarding number one center. Yeah, so obviously Nick Suzuki signed his uh, pretty decently large contract for the next eight years with the Habs, eight times seven, eight, seven, five, I believe. Um, so my question to you is whether you believe it or not that Nick Suzuki will become or will, will become a point-per-game player in this league. Oh, I'll start with you, Mackie. Sorry. You know what? I might surprise you as a, a guy that's relatively optimistic. I'm going to say I don't believe it. Um, I think that Nick Suzuki, I'm, I want to be cautious in what I'm saying, is that I think that he has the talent, but there's, there's just this thing that I feel that maybe it's the way that he's been molded, his defensive game is super solid and I see him being just below that because a, a point per game player that that for me is like elite elite now I want to believe it but do I actually I don't know I don't think that Nick Suzuki has the potential to necessarily be that point per game player um, on a consistent night per night level I, I don't know like there's something about the play that he brings I think he's going to be clutch 
I think he's going to be um, a very important piece, and I'm happy with the deal. I think he's going to be a super effective player. But there's an element of consistency that might be lacking in his play to get to that level. You know, there's guys like Austin Matthews. I know I'm going to be stroking the Leafs here a little bit, but these guys in their sleep, they can get like a, you know, that that point per game production. Uh, Mitch Marner, uh, you know, these guys that 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 are just, they're designated to have points like this. So I, I'm, I don't not want it to happen, but I, that's my answer for Nick Suzuki. Yeah, I'm going to go with, I do believe it, but not necessarily consistently. I think he'll have one or two point per career, but I think he will hit it at some point. Um, like Mackie said, I think he's going to be close to that, maybe a 70-point guy or so. But I think he will have a few seasons that surprise us, and it could be six, seven years from now when this team looks completely different and he's got some all-star talent at his wings, or maybe a guy like Caulfield who's still here, and they can have a couple seasons like that. But um, I do agree with Mackie that I don't think he's going to be as a perennial top 10 scorer, but I do see him having a few of those fantastic seasons. And that clutch factor, like Mackie said, he'll bring that, not lack of points, but that a bit lower amount of points will be offset by his defensive play and his all-around game yeah and just 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 to be clear sorry before you you jump in here justin with a with a cherry on top um i hope he i hope i'm wrong and like people that are roasting me like i hope i'm wrong i want him to be that but you, you got to try to be uh realistic in this well i just wanted to say something like nick suzuki has said in interviews and stuff that he models his game after patrice bergeron Patrice Bergeron has only gotten to a point per game a few times in his career over his like 20 year career. So even if he doesn't reach that point per game plateau, you can still bet on Nick Suzuki being a hell of a good player. And sometimes you don't need all the points if you're a 200 foot player. Like you can you can get around 60, 70 points and still be that kind of big factor on a team. So I, I'm not worried about Nick Suzuki's future at all whether or not the the answer is yes or no love it uh so that was our believe it or not segment uh we might be bringing that back on a weekly basis you guys let us know what you guys think do you agree do you believe it do you not believe it let us know in the comments down below uh but we'll be right back after this to talk about mark bergevin and what the hell's going on all right moving on to another topic with the montreal canadians not on ice related but off ice their gm Mark Bergevin, contract negotiations have halted. Uh, this is what uh, what the word on the street has been since the beginning of the season. Uh, he has still been making moves, but a new rumor has started to spread and that Mark Bergevin may be headed elsewhere. Now, you might love him, you might hate him, you might kind of like him, you might kind of not like him. But we're going to talk about this and uh, maybe a potential replacement if this is a situation. First, let's get your thoughts on Mark Bergevin's potential departure from the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I don't know who wants to start, but I, I'm looking at Justin. You look like you've got a little bit of electricity in your eyes to talk about this. So go ahead. I'm ready. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I mean... I want Mark Bergevin to stay. I think he's done a lot of good for the Habs uh, in recent times. I think most of his moves are better than they are. Uh, well, they're they're good moves and they, and they turn out well. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I like Mark Bergman as a GM, and I, I think he should stay with the Habs. So I'm all for re-signing him. And I honestly couldn't care less how much he's paid because that affects the team in exactly no ways. So, um, yeah, it's just about Jeff Molson and him coming to an agreement. If he wants to stay, if he doesn't want to stay, then he can go elsewhere. But I'd like for him to stay for sure. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I'm good either way. Like Justin said, he's had mostly good moves, but I think it might be nice to see a change, get a new fresh direction for this team after this year. Obviously, it depends how the season goes, but um, yeah, I'm kind of indifferent either way. On a personal level, I feel like the guy probably deserves to go to a market that has less pressure and just enjoy himself for his last years. Uh, that sounds kind of bad. Not that he's like sick or anything, but just that for the end of his career, if he can go somewhere more relaxed, less media pressure, especially as a French local guy, um, I can't imagine the amount of pressure he's under. The stress every morning must be ridiculous. So, uh, if he wants to go, let him go, let him enjoy the rest of his career. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we all are in agreement in this panel that there's, you know, there. I know that a lot of people, uh, especially one of our one of our listeners, I think he's still listening, Loser McPoozer, who commented on our on our, uh, our defensive takes or whatever it was, the video that we were talking about the Atlantic Division and how the defense is going to get uh, eaten alive. But the whole point being here um, is that I think that Mark Bergevin has gotten better as a GM over time. And you have seen him learn from certain maybe mistakes that he's done. And of course, when you're hindsight, Andy, everything can seem like, you know, you could have done better. But that's after years and years of reflection and no split-second decisions. Well, I say split-second, but decisions that need to be made quickly and within a time frame. And you don't have results and, and just basing yourself off projections. So, you know... The part where I would say that I am worried about Mark Bergevin leaving, I agree with everything that's been said, is that, and it leads into the second topic, which is, who is who's going to replace him? And there's an added element here, and we're going to say it, and and I I understand need uh, from a certain perspective, um, but it also limits our options. Is the fact that we need a French speaking GM. Now, one of those options could have been Julien Brisebois from the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is fine. That, if you want to make that move, that's not going to happen, though. So we're left here with a Mark Bergevin that's been doing some good moves, uh, albeit, you know, there's, there's still some work to be done for this team, of course. But we've got a solid, you know, prospect foundation, some would say, uh, and a relatively competitive team um, that just made it to the Stanley Cup Finals last season, okay? Um, so... My, that's my question here is that, you know, there's there's rumors going around right now that Marc Bergevin may be leaving to L.A. to work with Luc Robitaille uh, and join Philippe Dano in L.A., okay? Um, so who are you replacing him with? Is it Patrick Roy? Who, who else is it? And if it is Patrick Roy, what do you think of this? I'll go ahead, Justin. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of skeptical about Patrick Roy coming in. Um... Like, I, I mean, I just don't know enough about him as a kind of manager, as a general manager type guy. Like, I've, we've seen him, obviously, as a player, as a goalie, as a coach in the uh, in the queue. So, I mean, all I really know about him as, as a coach is that he's like a loose cannon and he seemed to be the same way as a player. So, I'm not sure I'm 
I'm not too convinced about his his uh, his qualities as a GM. Um, I could be wrong. I just don't know enough about him. Um, but the thing about having a French-speaking GM is it's tough with like someone who has a lot of experience because there's just not that many. Like you talked about Julien Brisebois, he's obviously a, a great choice, but he's he's taken. Um, another guy I saw talked about, which could be like a a diamond in the rough, is Mathieu Darche, who's also in the Tampa Bay organization. I think he's the uh, director of hockey ops there. Um, so I've seen some rumblings about him. He could be a decent, like he could be an option, but I again, I mean, these are all kind of options that don't necessarily have a lot of experience so they're gonna go through that that kind of uh those growing pains as a gm that we've seen with like the new gms like john chaco with uh with phoenix or sorry with arizona like uh the toronto gm please help me uh kyle, kyle dubas thank you yeah. kyle dubas but we've seen with with these new gms so i i think it's going to be kind of uh if we change GMs, it's going to be a kind of awkward couple of years. We're, we're going to get kind of like these maybe not great relationships with other teams yet. Um, but yeah, it's it's to be seen. Uh, I'm sure whoever is there is going, to, is going to do their job a certain way. But I just hope it's not another Pierre Gauthier fiasco. Oh boy. Yeah, agreed. Um, Alex, your take on this and, and uh, the replacement for Marc Bergevin. Yeah, I think Justin touched on possible replacements. You could throw out any name. I think fans are getting into this like way too deep belief that a change in GM is going to change it. How many teams win the Stanley Cup? Like It's one out of 32 now with Seattle in the league. It's not a simple thing to win the Stanley Cup. You're not going to change within five years, oh, Bergevin was awful, this new GM, we're going to win a cup. Like, in the past 20 years, Tampa's won three, I think. New Jersey won two. Detroit won three. Pittsburgh won three. Like, it's a lot of these teams that were repeat winners, and 20, 22 other teams have not won a Stanley Cup in 20 to 50 years. It's not, like, there's so much luck involved. There's so much other factors that that... I don't think it'll change much. And like Justin mentioned, guys like Shaika and Dubas, Dubas um, when John Shaika started in Arizona, everyone was saying, like, this guy's making insane moves. Arizona's going to be insane. Then they came 28th. And it's like, oh, Arizona, crazy draft. Next year, they're going to be insane. 26th. <laughs> then it's like, oh, okay, this is the year. Their prospects are panning out. Oh, 29th again so i i think fans have no idea what they're talking about when they're coming up with takes about a change of gm is going to change everything change the future of this team there's guys like lula moriello who won in the 70s and hasn't seen the stanley cup since uh guys like chirelli people say is awful i think he won a cup so i don't know i don't think us as fans who can't see behind the what we're talking about i'd be interested to see how it goes with a new gm but i don't think it'll have a gigantic impact on this team winning a stanley cup well i i don't know about that i think that there's there's definitely some gms that can really 
change the course and direction of where your team is headed. Like, uh, if you're going to talk about, like, Pierre Gauthier and stuff like that in comparison to a Marc Bergevin or a Peter Shirelli that, you know, I think we can all agree the Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, which was questionable at the time and became even more disastrous as time went on. Like, you know, there's... I, I don't agree with that, to be honest. Like, the the there is a certain standard that you need to uphold for your team to get better. And that's where I'm worried, is that if you don't take somebody that's good, and I don't necessarily want to get into this, uh, this topic, maybe we should, because, you know, it's an interesting take since we're from Montreal and we can give our perspective, but the whole element of language um, and being able to speak French and address you know, our fan base, uh, well, at least a portion of it, which is Francophone, of course, and the heritage of this of this city, Montreal. Like, you know, we're, we're an English podcast, but we speak French, all of us. Um, so there is that perspective that I can understand from a Francophone and being able to address your fandom. And then there's the other side of the coin, which also tells me that, well, that shouldn't be a, a you know, a, um, a criteria for selection. And that's... That's and, and it will be. I know it will be. And I'm okay with that to a certain extent that I also see the other side being a limitation for this group. So that's where I don't know what replacement if it's Patrick Roy, to be honest, man, I don't see a guy that necessarily is gonna is gonna solve anything apart from being an amazing legendary goaltender that he was for this franchise at a time. So I don't know what you guys think. If there's anything else that you want to add, if not, we can maybe leave it off and leave it to the folks back at home to leave their comments on this. Yeah, I mean, just about the language thing, I don't, I mean, I don't want to get uh, political here, but I don't think it should necessarily be uh, a criteria, like you said, for, for offering someone a job as a GM. I mean, I think the communications that the team make should be in both languages. You should have reporters that can ask questions in French and get answers in French as well. But I don't think anything is stopping us from having some sort of spokesperson for the gm like if we had maybe a gm and then a president or something and one of them's english one of those french and one can kind of answer the questions or basically just just a, a a translator or someone who can who can convey what the the english-speaking gm wants to say in the french language i think that could be an option but obviously i don't think it's ever going to happen um because it's, it's too political in in quebec but but yeah, it's obviously taking off probably eighty-five to ninety percent of the of the GM candidates out there. Just just making it only a French-speaking GM. So you're putting the team at a disadvantage, and nobody wants that, even if they speak French or English in Quebec. So yeah, I don't know. It's a hot debate, though. Then it has been for the last hundred and ten years. <laughs> Continued. It definitely will continue to be. So, uh, Alex, any thoughts on that, or do we do we wrap this up and, and see where uh, where Bergevin is headed? No, oh, I think we can leave it at that. Everyone's got uh, their opinion. All right, great. Well, folks, you let us know what uh, what you guys think about this Mark Bergevin situation. Uh, one last note, and I want to shout out shout out Marc Olivier Bouin, uh, which followed up with a, a little bit of news on this topic, saying that apparently there has been a lucrative lucrative offer that has been um, deposited. I don't know if that's the word. I wanted to say déposé in French there. But um, basically, Marc Bergevin has received a lucrative offer, and he is reflecting on it. So 
The door is still open. There's this rumor from, uh, I want to say the person's name, Larry Brooks from the New York Post that mentioned this L.A. Uh, rumor. So there's there's both of these options that are going on. So we shall see. And uh, we will see who Mark Bergevin, or sorry, who the Montreal Canadiens GM will be and if it will be Mark Bergevin by the end of the year. But that's it. We'll be back to wrap up the show for today. All right, to wrap up today's show for episode two, Hello Darkness, my old friend, we've got a Would You Rather uh, because of what's been going on this week. So, Justin, please set it up. Yeah, so this week uh, we have two players, young players, that just got some pretty big contracts on their books. So we have Ottawa Senators Brady Kachuk and our own boy Nick Suzuki for the Habs. Um, so I'll just list off some of the info about the players. So this week, uh, Brady Kachuk signed his contract seven times $8.2 million a year. Um, and Nick Suzuki earlier, uh, well, right before the season started, signed his contract at eight times 7.875. Um, as for their career stats, I'll just give you quickly. Uh, Nick Suzuki has 82 points in 130 NHL games, whereas Brady Kachuk has 125 points in 198 games. So I hope you're good at math, but yeah, those are the comparisons. Um, as for their ages, I'll just say them quickly. Kachuk is 22. Nick Suzuki is also 22. So same age. And... Nick Suzuki is mostly a center. Brady Kachuk has gone center and wing a bit, but I'd say he's more of a winger. Um, so, to start off this game, we're doing something a bit different this 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 time around. I'm going to ask you guys to raise your hand on the count of three, and the first person to raise your hand gets to choose who they will be debating for in this Would You Rather. Are you guys ready? Yes. Three... Two, one, go. Okay, it's Mackie. That was not <laughs> close in the slightest. Terrible, Nick terrible Suzuki. speed Nick. and accuracy by Alex there. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. All right, so I have Mackie. to go with my boy Nick, Nick Suzuki, baby. Nick Suzuki, All okay? Right. Uh, this is a Habs podcast, and if I was going to take Brady Kachuk, you, you can go to the next video if you're a Habs fan, okay? Um, but Nick Suzuki, at the tender age of you said 22, uh, has proven in the hardest position in the NHL, okay? Center ice, where you got to play a 200-foot game to be effective, um, that he is a clutch player. He showed it in the playoffs, um, and a guy that just knows how to turn it on. We saw it in the OHL when he turned it on in the playoffs then, and in his second year of being a true NHLer, um, he showed up. And we saw it in the bubble a little bit, but really last season he was our, he turned into the number one C that he was supposed to be for our team to be effective. Um, he showed chemistry with Cole Caulfield, his defensive play. Um, again, you know, we discussed a little bit about it at the top of the show, but he may not be the perennial 100-point guy, but in terms of effectiveness at both ends of the ice, at the center position, it's Nick Suzuki every single day of the week. And his contract is lower than Brady Kachuk's. So, no argument. No argument. I'm sorry, Sens fans. No argument. Alex, as our, as our uh, token Sens fan here. So, I have to pick Brady Kachuk. 
I'll have <laughs> you to give you the other side of the argument. Exactly. Okay. Obviously, this is a tough one, but I do want to start off talking about the contract. The Ottawa Senators kind of were handcuffed here. They couldn't let this guy go. They had to pay him. They had to show that they can keep these big, well, I won't say big, but bigger names in Ottawa and kind of show that they actually want to build a future with this team. Now, my argument for Kachuk is that while he, not, he might not be a center, might not play that all-important position, he's a very good complementary piece for a team to have, and he's a high-end talent when it comes to being a complementary piece. This is a guy who can set the tone for the rest of the team. Bigger, that energy, emotional guy that every team needs, especially in the playoffs if they want to be a competitive team. And he might not be the most skillful, but he's a high-volume shooter. He's always in front of the net getting chances. He'll score those gritty goals you need in the playoffs. And he brings a hell of a lot of, a lot of energy. I know Suzuki, he's had some good celebrations in the playoffs with the emotion there and he did step his game up in the playoffs but i feel like kachuk is a guy who can bring a crowd to life in a close game um can kind of come up big in close games and just kind of lift everyone up to another level and that'd be my reasoning for picking kachuk i think every team needs a guy like that and he's a top level guy like that i mean Great answers, both of you. I think you made good points for both players. Um, I'm leaning more towards Nick Suzuki, obviously, because I'm a Habs fan, and I love my little Nicky boy. Um, but yeah, Brady Kachuk is also a great player. I think they're both going to be great players in this league. Alex made some good points about him being like the energetic kind of player that you, you can rally your crowd around. We've seen that with uh, when he plays against the Habs sometimes. It just it seems like out of nowhere, he could just have a shift where he's dominant physically and he can make a little play and, 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 it, and it just brings some momentum to the team. Um, so yeah, they're, they're definitely different types of players. I'd lean more towards Nick Suzuki, but it's up to the Sens fans to decide, I guess. <laughs> No, but you know what? You know what? Sense fans are—they're gonna come in and maybe roast us, and that's totally fine. Like one thing that I will say that brings value, and it's a little bit kind of like the the Brendan Gallagher that we have on the Montreal Canadiens, is that that emotional agitator factor that Nick Suzuki—he's not mm -hmm. that guy, and we don't want him to necessarily be that guy. But that does have great value. So if I if I were to add on and and you know extend an olive branch to the you know Brady Kachuk case, you know. It's that is that you know this guy's probably going to be the captain of the of the Sens. He's going to be an emotional leader. So there's there's those you know tangibles. That, I'm not saying that Nick Suzuki doesn't have those elements, but I would give the edge maybe to the competitiveness, the 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 emotional agitation that you can you know get from uh, a Brady Kachuk. So there is that element, but at the end of the day, guys, come on. I mean, come on. All right, it's Nick Suzuki. It's Nick Suzuki. There's one thing I'll say, and I might get I might get shit on by Habs fans. It's that sometimes you'll see Nick Suzuki looking, looking. Maybe it's just because he's so smart that I can't see it, but he's looking like he's lazy. Whereas I feel like Brady Kachuk, he's always going 100%, skating as fast as he can into the boards if he has to. Um, so yeah, that's something that that's the difference between the two players. But I think Nick Suzuki obviously has a higher IQ and maybe can be more efficient with his movement. So 
that's my that's my uh really nick suzuki fan club answer there yeah for sure um but and the other thing is that brady could chuck and can chuck him pretty well so uh that's that's the only other addition that i'll add to that but you guys can let us know for this segment of would you rather thank you very much justin we'll be right back uh for wrapping up today's show all right here we go all right folks to cap off this week's show we gotta end it off with predictions now do the habs continue on this downward spiral to start off their season or do they bounce back they've got three games they've got the sharks tomorrow tuesday they've got the hurricanes on thursday and the red wings on saturday uh so those are three games um what are your thoughts let's start with you alex hopefully it's a bounce back week we've got one very difficult game here hurricanes and the return of kakanyemi you feel like there's there's got to be something there you got to think he's going to be wanting his revenge but uh yeah hopefully we can go um, you want to win out of San Jose and Detroit. I know we've struggled in the West. Or actually, is it a home game? But we always struggle against San Jose. So I could see a loss there, but my prediction is 2-1 with a win against San Jose, a win against Detroit, and a loss to a strong Carolina team. Okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, Justin, any difference? 100%, 3-0. No doubt in my mind. I think... We've shown all the adversity we need to ha- needed to have this season so far. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm three and zero. Honestly, Sharks not a great team. I think we could beat them. We match up well against their Aiden Hill goalie, who is uh, never heard of him before. Uh, it was suggested to me today to pick him up in fantasy. Um, so yeah, I mean we could beat the Sharks. Hurricanes is going to be a good game. I think it's going to be close. Hurricanes are a really good team this year for sure. But we can beat them for sure. And Red Wings, 100% we're going to beat them. We're never going to lose 5-1 to a team like the Red Wings. Um, so, yeah, that's my prediction, 3-0. I'm still up for the 82-0 season. I don't care if we lost three games. It can still happen. All right. Um I'll tell you, I'm I'm on board with a bounce back week, and it's because Mike Hoffman, baby. I'm surprised you didn't mention the fact that he's going to be inserted potentially tomorrow against the Sharks. But for the power play that we discussed at the top of the show, that's going to be a big help. Um, I'm feeling Jeff Petrie this week, to be honest, okay? I think he's going to come in. He's going to have the red eyes somehow, not because of injury, but just because he's in the zone. So I'm hoping all of these factors conclude the fact that the Montreal Canadiens are done with this losing streak and that they're going to go ahead and begin the season the right way and turn the ship around, okay? We might be wrong. Let us know your thoughts. Um, But if not, guys, we want to just remind you very quickly, uh, you can follow us at No Respect Podcast. You take out the C, you take out the T, you just throw in a K, and you got No Respect Podcast on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram, and of course on YouTube if you're listening here. You can also find us on Apple, uh, Spotify, all of the, the podcast platforms, and we also have that new Discord server that you can join in the links down below if you're watching on YouTube. So please consider all of those things. It greatly appreciated. So for Alex, for Justin, and for myself, Mackie, together we make the No Respect Podcast. And we hope to see you next week, ladies and gentlemen, for episode two of Little Darkness, my old friend. We'll see you next week. And we always remind you to respect me 
Nation. Merci et go Habs go. Whisper the sounds of silence.